In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. But we don't just bring you thought leaders from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what the show's about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations, what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we're on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. You can find us all over the web. And listen to us because you're going to hear some great success stories, stories you can learn from, stories that motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even help propel your career. I also invite you to connect with me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful either for your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode, and um, it's about one of my favorite subjects. I read a lot of articles on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and I talk with a lot of executives. But one of the things that always amazes me in discussions with many executives or many people in HR is when you talk about diversity, the sentence always comes out, yes, we're really good at meeting our targets around diversity. Now, when I hear this, and I hear it quite often, I immediately think, we are definitely focusing on the wrong thing. Diversity is not about targets. It's about fostering a culture of innovation from a mix of people with different experiences, perspectives, backgrounds, where they can all come together and contribute together to a common goal. It's not about numbers. And our guest today understands that better than anyone. Our guest is an expert in helping organizations lift their performance through fostering diversity in the organization. Our guest today is James T. McKim, PMP, ITIL, and he is a founder and managing partner at Organizational Ignition. And Organizational Ignition helps small to medium-sized organizations that can't seem to reach their goals or have projects in jeopardy. He helps these organizations to identify the problems they are facing and cost-effectively remove roadblocks to success. He's a sought-after organizational performance speaker, coach, change manager, frequent conference presenter, and author of the best-selling book, The Diversity Factor, Igniting Superior Organization Performance. And he is an advisor to many governors, legislators. He's a regular radio and television guest. He's played many roles over the years as developer, trainer, facilitator, consultant, director, professor, CIO, CTO, and many other things. He's also co-founded several companies ranging from management consulting firm that specialize in facilitating strategic use of information to both non-human and human means to provider of asset tracking and products and service. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. Great to be here. Yeah. So let's just start like kind of a really broad, okay? Let's talk about what diversity is because many people kind of <laughs> kind of narrow the, the, the definition of diversity down. Right. So I really love Marilyn Loden's um, diversity 
definition. And she came up with this definition back in 1991 when she was at Johns Hopkins Institute. And she said that diversity is really about characteristics of our personalities. And she created this diversity wheel to illustrate that. And the wheel has, if you can envision, uh, personality, the word personality at the center, its core of this, uh, this wheel. And she says that there are two types of characteristics of personality. The first type is what she called primary characteristics. And those are characteristics of our personality that don't change over our lifetimes. Uh, so race is one of those characteristics. Uh, gender is another one of those characteristics. But age is another characteristic. We're born on a certain day, and that's never going to change, right? Um, so um, gender is one of those characteristics. Um, and and you, know, it, you think about things that are permanent over our lifetimes. Those are mm -hmm. our primary characteristics of our personality. And then she says there are these secondary characteristics, and they have to do more with how we move in the world. So what is our income? Where do we live geographically? What are our habits? How do we dress? How do we appear to those in the rest of the world? Um, how do we, uh, what's our religion? What do we believe? What's our educational background? What's our work experience? So those characteristics of our personality that do change fairly frequently over our lifetimes, but um, are how we more interact with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And yep, so that, that's, that's really what, when we say diversity, when at least when I say diversity, that's what I'm looking for, characteristics of personality. Yeah. Well, that, that's a really interesting definition. And when you think about it, it's quite logical. And I guess uh, my, my next question to you would be, you know, if we're looking at, you know, these two characteristics, primary and secondary, I, um, and referring back to your book, over time, you know, in general society from a whole, um, is this mix changing? I mean, you've you've talked about a lot of charts in your book and about you know shifts in in you know certain groups with certain primary you know characteristics and certain groups with second secondary. Um, what kind of shifts have you seen? You know what's happening today? Well, th there are shifts. I mean, just just demographically shifts in the, not only it's just in the U S but in, in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So th there are shifts in, um, in racial demographics. Uh, there are shifts in, um, in terms of how people perceive their own gender is happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so to, to, to look at race here in the U S um, it's estimated that by roughly 2030, actually, um, that racially speaking will be what's called minority majority. In other words, the majority of people in the U.S. will be non-white. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, that's uh, white is the dominant culture here in the United States. So that means a monumental shift in, in society. Um, we, we know that from the research being done uh, by the UN's um, uh, International Organization for Migration, that migration is increasing even across Europe and Asia. Yeah. And it, that, that's changing the racial demographic of countries outside of the U.S. as well. Um, more and more people, uh, youth, uh, don't see themselves as binary, mm -hmm. male versus female. Uh, that's, that's a trend that's in increasing um, globally. So... Uh, Those changes are happening, and we're going to have to, as a society and as organizations, understand how to deal with that and leverage that, hopefully, not just be afraid of it and try to, try to be uh, tolerant of it. But how do we take advantage of that? Mm -hmm. that that's what I get excited about. Yeah, and and I mean that taking advantage of that, I think is I'm going to come to corporate in, in a second. But I just just a quick question on that because I'm in Europe, you in the states. Um, we do see these shifts. Um, um, I'm in Germany, incredible lot of migration here. Um, 
I also live in Prague. Uh, we have 10 million people in Czech Republic and 800,000 new Ukrainians. Okay, so there, there are shifts yeah, yeah. all over the place, you know. Um, but, but you said not being afraid of it. Before we go on to the corporate part, do you think that sometimes, you know, in the political range that people are a little afraid of it, you know, especially in the States, you see some movement to, you know, to, to not, not accept things like um, LGBTQ in, in schools. And um, is this happening so fast that it's scaring us or um, we just don't know how to grasp this and, and, and use this for good? So I think this goes back to just human psychology. Mm-hmm. We as humans are resistant to anything that's different than we are. We're, we're tribal in nature. That's how our species evolved as being tribal. Yeah. And we're not taught from a young age how to interact with and to value those who are different from us. We're, we're taught basically to fear those who are different from us. Mm-hmm. So we and and um, Bobby Harrow um, talks about has created this uh, cycle of socialization, where we are socialized to to be um, att- attracted to, and this is the uh, affinity bias that we all have. We're attracted to people who are just like us, mm-hmm. and we are repelled from, or we we are biased against anyone who is not like us. So this is human nature that we have to, to really grapple with, and it's, the, it's our society. It's, it's the, the milieu that we, we swim in. We don't even know that we're swimming in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, which, which makes a lot of sense, which brings me to, um, to the corporate side, James, okay? Right, um, right. So all this is happening in society, and then we've also seen this move from the corporate side to, to make sure that companies are, are, you know, incorporating or implementing diversity, and every corporate website has a diversity statement on it, um, but many don't really live it. Okay, um, why do you think that is? Well, I, I've done some actual research on this myself, talking with companies, and I, I've, I've read too. And you know, Forbes uh, had an article, a recent article, the top four reasons diversity and inclusion programs fail. And I, I think they're, they're spot on based on my research. Number one is no long-range plan. Boards say we want to be diverse. But the organization doesn't know how. The leadership doesn't know how. So there's no long-range plan on how to get there or even what it really looks like, right? PricewaterhouseCoopers came up with um, a, a DEI maturity model a curve that really shows what it is that organizations should be achieving to live into it. So no long-range plan was one. A lack of commitment to the program is another. This is a, a diversity, equity, and inclusion, and living into it is a change. It's a culture change. It requires change throughout everyone in the organization, and leadership has to be behind it. Leadership has to be committed to it. Has to commit resources to it. So, lack of commitment was another reason that, that Forbes identified, and I've seen this too. That organizations fail. Uh, the third was poor instructional delivery model, and that is. As I, we talked about before, we have to be taught how to engage positively with diversity, and mm-hmm. we're not taught it. We're, we're, we're taught in a very – if we are, we're taught in a very transactional way um, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't reach who we are and, and we get to our hearts – changing our hearts and minds. Uh, and the fourth is that lack of representation. If you haven't encountered people who are different than you, how do you know how to w- work with and deal with people who are different than you? Mm-hmm. And, and organizations don't foster that that uh, that interaction between people who are different. So that's that's uh, the fourth reason why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really interesting because we see that a lot. And um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, um, I have a question around you know how can we start to get these to work better? Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about after the break. And for our listeners, we are talking to James T. McKinn, and he is, he is the founder and managing partner at Organizational Ignition. And Organizational Ignition helps small to medium-sized organizations reach their goals 
and make sure their projects are not in jeopardy. He's an expert help for organizations to help them identify problems that they're facing and cost efficiency, remove roadblocks to success. He's a sought after organizational performance speaker, coach, change manager, frequent conference speaker, and author of the best-selling book, The Diversity Factor. Igniting Superior Organizational Performance, and he's an advisor to many governors and legislators. Um, he's a radio and television host, and if you'd like to reach out to him, you can go to his website on www organizational ignition, and on Facebook he is under J T McKim Jr. and on LinkedIn under J T McKim Jr. And also on Instagram under McKim James and on Twitter under J.T. McKim. So please reach out to him and go to his website, www organizational ignition. Now, this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, legislative white papers. They also hold conferences. Their next conference will be October 16th to the 18th in Florence, Italy. So if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about diversity and um, its impact on society, corporations, and we'll be talking about its impact on performance. And we are talking with James T. McKim, and he is the founder and managing partner at Organizational Ignition. And Organizational Ignition is a company that helps small to medium-sized organizations reach their goals, reach their projects, and do that through implementing diversity in the organization. He is also the author of the best-selling book, The Diversity Factor, Igniting Superior Organizational Performance. He's an advisor to many governors, legislators. He's a, he's a speaker, a guest on many radio and television shows, focusing on the topic of organizational performance through diversity. So, James, before, before the break, um, we kind of talked about what diversity is and we talked about what's happening in companies, okay? And right. 
and um, you know we see what's happening in companies, but then we we have programs, okay? That programs that you know, I kind of consider try to push the envelope, okay? Um, quotas, okay? Uh, we saw them in the U.S. years ago. Um, we still have some in Europe. We have legislation, for example, the um, gender equality on board legislation, um, which kind of got lost a little bit during the pandemic, but it's back on the table in most of the European companies. What what do you think of these kind of programs and quotas? Do they push the envelope or does it just get everybody upset? <laughs> well, I, I think it's, it's, it's with as many, it's a mix, you know, and I, I love... Um, Professor uh, Robert Livingston from Harvard says that there are three types of people, and I translate that, that to organizations too, when it comes to this dealing with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, one type is the, he, he says they're the dolphins. Another type is the um, ostriches. And another type is the sharks. Uh, the dolphins are those who, who get it. As soon as you say we're doing diversity, boom, they're 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 there, they're they're in. They're just they say jump how high. Um, the ostriches, they don't really see how this diversity stuff matters to them, so their heads are in the sand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the sharks, they're the ones in power, and they don't want the status quo to change. So as uh, Professor Livingston says, you have to have different approaches for each of these three types of people and types of organizations. For the, the dolphins, just say, you need to do diversity, and, and they're off and running. Right? The ostriches, you have to give them the carrot. You have to show them <laughs> why it's important for them to do it. And once they see that it's important for them, they're fine. They're off and running. Mm-hmm. The sharks need a stick. <laughs> And this is where I think the 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 legislation and the 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 um, the regulations come into play. They're the stick for those organizations that won't budge unless they are really pushed. That's where the regulations comes in. For those who for those those uh, dolphins and and ostriches, the regulations feel like it's an overburden. <laughs> so <laughs> you you need all you need all three of those types. Yeah. Actually, we were, uh, I'm just laughing when you talk about the sharks because I'm thinking of the in the EU legislation, which I know quite well. You know, the fines that were were, were put on companies right. that did not meet those. Okay, and right. they were and they were mostly in these legacy industries where yes. there wasn't any diversity to begin with, anyways. Okay, right. so right. 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 Yeah. so so let's so let's say you know we're starting to try to do this. In your book, you talk about. Um, you know, one of these things the companies do is they say, well, yeah, I talked about the numbers in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. let, let's have a diverse workforce, okay? And you talk about having a diverse workforce is not sufficient, okay? Can you talk right. a little bit about that? Uh, I'd say it's not sufficient. And in fact, just having a diverse workforce can be detrimental. Mm-hmm. And the reason reasons why there are a number that I talk about in the book, one is um, the this this potential for miscommunication. When you have diverse people from different cultures who have different styles of communicating, and even just people with different personality types who have different styles of communication, there can be miscommunication, right? Yeah. Uh, expectations of how you're going to respond when someone makes a statement are different in different cultures, for example. So if you just have a diverse culture without having a culture that understands how to interact in diversity, you can have miscommunication. You can have drop in morale or productivity because people feel like, oh, you're saying you want to hire and pay attention to the Germans. What about me as an Austrian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and 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 there's, and there's a big difference. Okay, so. and, and, and yeah, exactly why I use that analogy, right? <laughs> right. Um, so without an understanding of how to be equitable and inclusive, diversity can actually be uh, detrimental to the organization. Mm-hmm. And you know it, it, that makes sense too when you start thinking about 
um, uh, how companies expanded and and um, you know outsourcing IT um, in Asia and yes you know and then the, there was just a big disconnect there because you know it was about numbers and and efficiencies but not about culture. That that and and you know I I talk about in in I think it's chapter twelve when I talk about goals and objectives for for DEI, it's got to be more than just representational goals. It has mm-hmm. to be goals around impact. What's the yeah. impact that we're making to the organization? How much innovation are we getting? Where are we getting that innovation from? Um, mm-hmm. Representation it can can it, we need to talk about representation, but we need more to talk about. How are we going to get the best innovation and the best efficiency and the best effectiveness? And, the, and I, I'm kind of leading into where I think we're going with organizational yeah. performance, but um, it needs to be that. And if you focus on those things, diverse people will want to work for you, will want mm-hmm. to put it, be productive for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's true. But before before we work, go into performance, which I want to come to. I just want I just want to talk about DEI, okay? Um, because a lot of, you know, we talk about equality and equity, and a lot of people don't understand, you know, the difference. Can, can you uh, enlighten our audience on a little bit about that? Sure. So th- this is a tricky one, and, and you're right. People do equate equality to equity. Uh, the difference is, and, and I, I guess let me start by saying there's a quality of uh, access and a quality of treatment, and those two are also different. So uh, we, we want everyone to have equal access, right? We want that mm-hmm. level playing field. We recognize the playing field is not level, though. So we need equitable treatment to get equal access, right? So equitable treatment rather than equal treatment. Equitable treatment is giving someone what they need to succeed based on who they are and where they are in life. Mm -hmm. That's different than equal treatment. There's a great cartoon that I I like to use. It's it's three panels of a cartoon, and there are three youths of different heights trying to see a baseball game, U.S., of course, baseball, um, over a fence that is a a board fence, a a fence of boards. So in the first panel... Each of the three U's of different heights are given the same box to see, to stand on, to see over the fence. And of course, the tallest person, tallest youth, can see just fine. The next highest youth, the three U's here, the next highest youth can barely see. The smallest youth cannot see over the fence. They were treated equally by being given the same size box, but that was not sufficient for all of them to be successful in seeing the game. The next panel shows that the tallest youth who already can see over the fence is given no box. The middle height youth who can barely see with one box is actually given two boxes to stand on. So so he can see over the fence. The third youth is given three boxes, which now allows him to see over the fence. They're being treated equitably Mm -hmm. by what they need. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And so, let, let me push that to DE, DEI a little bit more. Yes, and yes, so, yes. so ec- equity. So, does that really lead into inclusion? And and how do you foster that inclusion? Do you foster inclusion organization through equity? Uh, there, there is a slight difference there. So, equity, equity is once you're put, paying attention to someone, how do you treat them? Mm-hmm. Inclusion is paying attention to someone in the first place who may not have been paid attention to before. So we have to have both equity and inclusion. <laughs> equity by itself is not good enough. Diversity by itself is not good enough. Inclusion by itself is not good enough. <laughs> it has to be that combination of three. And, and th- this is actually a formula that I, I share in the book. Welcoming high-performing organizations and societies exhibit equitable inclusion of diverse people. Mm-hmm. It's a way to tie that all together. It is a way. So let, let's move on a little bit here, okay? But, but I just want to uh, talk about 
the implementation of this. Okay, this yeah. is this is not easy. Okay, so right. um, before we move on to the performance, you know, h- how do you start really implementing this in an organization? Well, you start with. Uh, I mean, there's a saying that um, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. Okay. Right? Yeah. So yeah. The, the first is being aware, raising awareness that, that um, we are biased. All of us. I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah. all, we're all biased. So yeah. we have to acknowledge that and then uh, figure out how to get over that bias. And organizations can help people get over those biases, right? Well, first of all, organizations can provide training that makes people aware of their biases and yeah. how they act when they're biased. So microaggressions come out, for example. Um, talking over someone in a meeting, that's, that's bias coming out. After the awareness piece, there are things like um, ensuring that our policies and procedures are equitable and inclusive. Mm-hmm. that yeah. we can do, right? Yeah. Um, it's setting the expectation. It's so important to set expectation that we as an organization will be equitable and inclusive. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just, to, you know, thinking that on the different layers, and I, I, think, the, I think the point that we all have biases, um, many unconscious biases, um, is very important. So you're working, you're working first at the, at the personal level, Uh, Yeah, yeah. To to you know help people understand, Um, but then there's also you know biases, organizational biases. You know, I'm thinking between departments or between or organizations or companies themselves. Absolutely. And so those those are pretty tough. You know, I mean, I think of of silos and and not working together. Um, That's so. Do you start from kind of the bottom up? Is that how you start? I, th- I think you have to start from the bottom up and from the top down. As we mm-hmm. talked about, yep. one of the reasons why these, these efforts fail is leadership is not driving this. Mm-hmm. Leadership's not setting the expectation that we are going to be an equitable and inclusive and diverse organization. Yeah. Um, but it, and it, it is the people from the bottom up. I mean, organizations are people. Right. So people have to understand how to get over those biases and be inclusive as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's um. It's not easy stuff, and 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 it's kind of, it, you know, you can see why some CEOs look at this and say, "Oh, this is really difficult to do," and why so many HR just look at the numbers rather than actually making sure there is, you know, equity and inclusion and diversity in the company. Well, um, well HR but- has an even different issue, which we can talk about after the break. <laughs> Oh, that's one of my favorite. Actually, I think we I think we need a whole show on that. Okay, <laughs> we probably do. I, I would I would love to do a whole show on that. Yeah, and we should come back and maybe think about that. Okay, what HR, yes. what human resources can do better. Um, okay. we're we're gonna take a short break. Um, and uh, when we come back, I wanna I wanna just focus on we got this DEI. We're doing a good job, and I wanna talk about when we actually do a good job how it affects performance, because I think that's the really important part. Um, So for our listeners, we are talking with James T. McKim, and he's the founder and managing partner at Organizational Ignition, and he helps small to medium-sized organizations reach their goals and reach their projects. He is an expert in diversity, um, inclusion, and equity, and he's the best-selling author of the book, The Diversity Factor, Igniting Superior Organizational Performance, and that's what we're going to talk about, the superior organizational performance when we get back after the break. Now, if you'd like to reach out to James, please go to www.organizationalignition, and and Facebook and Twitter under J.T. McKim Jr. And he is on Instagram under McKim James and on Twitter under J.T. McKim. So please reach out to him. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda has conferences and it's one of Europe's largest growing fastest nonprofit marketing and local search associations. But they also have a fantastic e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital out of San Diego. And this 
platforms for startups, project managers, and SMBs to help companies succeed. So to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Not enough women are talking about money. Lisa Chastain is aiming to change that. If you are feeling uncertain with your financial decisions, join us on Real Money, Mondays at 10 a.m. on the Voice America Business Channel, where you will learn how to become more capable with your financial choices. Listen in and hear stories from other women on how they tackled their financial challenges. You will learn from leading industry experts all the tips, tricks, and advice that you need to establish financial confidence and freedom. Listen in Mondays on Real Money with Lisa Chastain. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about diversity, equity and inclusion, and its impact on performance. And we've talked about, you know, what DEI is and and why it's important to organizations. And now we're going to really talk about how it impacts performance. And we're talking with James T. McKim, who is the best-selling, he's an author of the best-selling book, The Diversity Factor, Igniting Superior Organizational Performance Through Diversity. So, James, um, just to, before we start talking about how this works to lift performance, let, let's define organizational performance. This is one of the questions I love to talk about um, because we, we seem to, in our, at least in capitalist societies, <laughs> uh, think about performance as being just short-term profit. Yeah. But the uh, Universalia has come up with a definition of organizational performance that says that it's the balance between effectiveness, efficiency, relevance, and financial viability which goes, of course, beyond the financial piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, efficiency in terms of, of effectiveness in terms of how effective are we in achieving our mission in life? Are we increasing the number of roads? Are we increasing the number of people who are out of poverty? Um, how effective are we in the work that we're in achieving the a mission that we've set out to achieve? Uh, efficiency in terms of how well are we using the resources we have at our disposal? Right? Mm-hmm. Are we getting the biggest bang for the buck? Relevance. How relevant is our, our products and services to our customer base? Uh, and how relevant are we over time? Not just relevant now, but over time. And then financial viability. Uh, do we have sustainable funding sources, sources of income? sustainable sources, not just for this year, but over the, a long haul. So that's the definition of organizational performance that I love to, to talk about with folks. Yeah. And, and it's, you're right. It's quite different than what 
most people will think. They'll think of short-term profits, um, maybe efficiencies sometimes, okay, but it, it's more kind of short-term looking. So looking at it now from, from you know, um, long-term, from relevancies, from of effect on the mission, from efficiencies, okay, what does diversity have to do with organizational performance? So what diversity has to do there is we get innovation from having different perspectives. Research has shown and organizations have proven that um, when there are, are diverse perspectives, and diverse perspectives come from diverse personality characteristics that we talked about before, right? Mm -hmm. Different experiences. So organizations that are diverse have an 87% better decision-making record. Oh, okay. Organizations a- that are more diverse are 70% more likely to be able to reach diverse markets. They're 27% more likely to have higher EBIT, according to McKenzie study. Mm-hmm. So there are so many benefits here, so many reasons, performance reasons, to really live into diversity, equity, and inclusion that have been proven that organizations can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that uh, the decision-making one came to me as a surprise. The reaching diverse markets in the EBIT, I've read and heard about that. Um, but it, let's come down to the actual implementation of doing this, okay? So we talked about the implementation. I mean, um, where are the challenges and where are the challenging factors to this? Well, the, the biggest challenge we've kind of already talked about is yeah. bias. Mm-hmm. That's a huge, huge challenge. Um, another challenge that, that uh, organizations face is they think that it's a one and done. They think that you you have a diversity course and you're done. <laughs> 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 and you're nowhere near you're done. You're just started. You just scratched the surface. Um uh, another challenge we've, we have already talked about, leadership. Leadership mm-hmm, doesn't yeah. see it as something they really need to pay attention to and set, set values for, uh, set expectations for. So it doesn't happen. Uh, it, it's a cultural change. We need to change, again, to define principles and values that are inclusive and equitable for organizations mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hold people accountable to that. I, I talk about in the book, uh, Kurt Howes came up with the organizational performance system. And he talks about three levels of, of the system. And first of all, organizations need to understand that there is an organizational performance system, period. Once they understand that, then we can talk about, so how does diversity, equity, and inclusion fit into each of the components of that system? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so when you're talking about system, I mean, I'm a CEO of a company, and I really am taking this seriously, and I, I really want to shift the company because I want to lift my performance um, through, you know, DEI. Is is there kind of a roadmap to do it, or, um, you know, what would you suggest? You know, how do you suggest? Because you consult is, with a lot of companies. Yeah. This is my. I've created a roadmap that I call discovering performance through diversity, mm-hmm. and it, it's a it's a change management process. And um, you, there's so many change management methodologies out there that you could almost pick one, but I looked at them and said, well, every change management process methodology is based on the Deming PDCA, Plan, Do, Check, Act model. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, okay, well, let me go to the root and have my roadmap be defined on PDCA. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we start with setting the tone. Leadership has to set the tone for this change, this cultural change, this organizational change. And then an effort needs to be undertaken to identify the areas in the organization where there needs to be improvement, assessing mm-hmm. the gaps in the organization, yeah. and then setting some goals and establishing how this shift, how this move is going to be governed, how it's going to be managed. And, and there's, a, there's a plan that needs to get created, an action plan for taking the steps that are going to uh, close those gaps that have been identified in the assessment process. Um, so those those steps are get defined and get executed and tracked and need to be reported on. 
Mm-hmm. The board needs to get a report every meeting on how progress is occurring around improving on DEI. Mm-hmm. Staff needs to hear that. It has to be communicated with all of the staff, communicated with all the stakeholders that mm-hmm. this effort is happening. And it's important for everyone to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. And in, in your experience on this roadmap, I, of course, this is going to depend on the probably the commitment or the size of the company. Um, you know, these things don't happen in two weeks. Okay? Oh, no, no, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> so Absolutely this is, you know, not. This is like, I, I mean... This is a long-term shift in culture, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and so PricewaterhouseCoopers, and I think we mentioned this earlier, or I mentioned this earlier, PricewaterhouseCoopers has come up with a DEI maturity curve where they describe what it is to be a diverse, equitable, and inclusive organization at various stages of maturity. Mm-hmm. And the lowest level, which they call um, emerging, is where no one really knows what diversity, equity, and inclusion is. Uh, And if they do, uh, it's not well discussed across the organization and certainly not discussed in the context of the talent life cycle. Mm -hmm. As you move up the scale, um, up the, the curve, you move all the way up to differentiated, which is where DEI is actually a core competency and recognized as a core competency for everyone in the organization. It's part of the DNA of the organization, as we say. You don't even have to think about it because it's there, right? No. And what they say is most organizations will never get to differentiate it. Mm-hmm. They'll only get to maybe progressive, which is the third level, after mm-hmm. several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, let me just uh, throw you one curveball here, uh, James. So we, you know, this is this is all going on, and we've kind of looked at, you know, the roadmap, why it's important, and how it lives performance. Um, we're just coming out of two years of where the entire workplace changed. Okay, so <laughs> what kind of impact? The, the two big factors: COVID and remote work. Yeah, yeah. So what, how what kind of impact has that has this had on on DEI and lifting performance through DEI. Yeah, it's definitely had an impact because you, you know everyone's just trying to figure out how to survive. Yeah. And when you have that that you have to focus on, almost everything else goes on on the, the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I'd say here is that um, the the tenets, the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion still apply and and actually. Uh, can be even more easily enhanced because we're somewhat on a more level playing field if we're not all in the office and we don't all have to, to figure out how to get in the office and, and deal with, with those issues. There, there's more time for us to focus on the work at hand. Um, it, it does take uh, an understanding of leadership though, how to leverage technology mm. to uh, be more inclusive and be more equitable. Yeah. Um, as their staff is trying to learn how to survive um, with their pajamas on, <laughs> <for> their pajamas, <laughs> uh, bottoms on with their, their sports coats and, and jacket or a nice blouse on the top yeah. and the camera. And I also think, I mean, um, you know, it's it's what I've seen here in Europe also is it's it's leveled the playing field, not just among the employees, but among the families, too. OK, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, um, you know, there's there's more flexibility in work. And, um, you know, it's, you know, both if you have families and children, everybody's at home taking care of everybody. So, you know, so. yeah, I, it's in, in some senses, it, it's been there's a, I, maybe you call it a silver lining. But yeah. we've gotten a little more relaxed about how we interact with each other. Yeah, and I, I, I love. I mean, I can't tell you how many Zoom calls I've been in where the cat has walked across the shoulders <laughs> of the person on the screen, and that's okay. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's 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 allowing us to be who we are, which is what really helps people to perform at their at their best and want to perform at their best, yeah. being who they are, who they really are. Yeah, things. So, James, we're at the end of the show. Um, uh, DEI and performance. Um, we've got a lot of executives listening. If you if you have to wrap it up in one message to our executives and our managers, our CEOs, CIOs, everybody out there, and our employees, what would that be? Uh, the one message uh, takeaway for me is that um, if you want to help your organization improve in so many different ways, 
Um, diversity, equity, and inclusion is the way to do it, and it's not going to be uh, easy. It's not going to be quick, but the rewards are well worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, the super great words. Um, and for our listeners, you know, please get the book. The book is fantastic. It's uh, the book is the Diversity Factor: Igniting Superior Organizational Performance. And we have been talking with the author of that book, and our the author is James T. McKim. And James, this has been really delightful. Um, I did read the book, um, and very much found some very, very interesting things that I didn't realize in it. And it's just, it's very valuable for not just executives, but employees and for anybody, you know, as we shift society, as society changes and we're trying to become more inclusive and we are becoming more diverse, um, I suggest reading the book. So thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks so much. It's been great, great being here. Okay. And again, for our listeners, we're talking to, we talked to James T. Kim, and he is the founder and managing partner at Organizational Ignition. And if you'd like to reach out to him, you can go to his website under www.organizationalignition. He's also on Facebook under JT, JT McKim Jr. and also on Instagram under McKim James and on Twitter under JT McKim. So please reach out to him. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can send me comments or questions at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, market research, do legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have conferences. Their next conference is October 16th to 18th in Florence, Italy. And they also have a fantastic e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital out of San Diego. And this e-learning platform is for startups, product managers, and SMBs, and it helps companies understand how to succeed. And you please reach out to them at www.cinda.org. And thank you for listening again this week, and please remember to tune in to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time and reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com, and I look forward to having you listen again next week. And again, Thanks, James, for being here. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.